Thank you for tuning in to After Dark with Robin Andrew on the American Outlaw platform, available on the American Outlaw platform, as well as Spotify and iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. I want to thank you all for joining me tonight. Tonight, my special guest host is Heather Robinson of the New York Post. She's returning again from last night, where we discussed how politicians, a lot of them tend to take as opposed to give. Tonight, our topic is on, how can I say this? The Trump leak or the tape leak, the video leak. I'm sure all of you have heard or have learned about what people are calling damaging and incriminating information that has been leaked on Trump, and he's discussing classified documents. I'm more concerned with why all of these leaks are taking place, Heather. And ever since Trump, when he was in office, there was always a leaker or someone leaking. It was the most leakiest White House. And now that he's out of office, with all the investigations that are going on, things are still being leaked to fake news CNN, the Washington Post, or PMS, MSNBC. And it begs the question, who is the leaker and how do we stop the leaks? And why isn't that of concern for the media? Now, of course, the media is, they're getting the information and then they're putting it out there. But if we were to do a timeline of information that has been leaked negatively on Trump, it's unbelievable. Remember when Paul Manafort was arrested? There was a leak. And Roger Stone, when the FBI invaded his house, just so happened that someone leaked to fake news CNN that this was going to happen. When Donald Trump's private residence was raided, there was a leak so that the media could be there. But you know what? There wasn't a leak to the media when Hunter Biden's residence was going to be raided by the FBI to look for tax documents or other incriminating information. And you know why there wasn't a leak? Because Leslie Wolf, who happened to be the deputy attorney general, alerted Hunter Biden's attorney that there was going to be a raid so that they could go in and remove documents that the agents were looking for. This is all part of the, I think, House of Representative records. You can look it up. A whistleblower came out and said this, and his name was Gary Shapley, and he's been talking as of lately. Now, I find it interesting as I opened up saying, why is it that all of these leaks are on Trump and nothing on Biden? And all of the information is coming from the Department of Justice or the FBI, and they're supposed to have a lockdown on this information, but they don't. Information that's being leaked that they're trying to prosecute Trump with because they said he had classified information and that he possibly shared it with individuals. Heather, I can't make sense of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly, you talk about double standard. There was a double standard. And if I could go back, remember when Justice Alito's opinion about abortion was leaked? And to this day, we don't know who did it. Now, they're saying they have an idea as to who leaked the information. 
But the Supreme Court, it's a small group. They know who all the clerks are. So it wouldn't take a rocket scientist to point that person out. But Justice John Roberts did his investigation, and he's mom on the whole thing. And they're saying, well, we know who did it, but we can't prove it or this. If this had been Trump, they would be all over it. So I, I guess my, my discussion tonight is, why is it that these leaks are taking place, and why aren't people, why isn't the media inquisitive enough to go and find out who's leaking this mm -hmm. information? What are your thoughts, Heather? Well, yeah, I think if the concern is uh, the classified information is being released and, and there's a lack of security, then yes, they should be concerned about people leaking all of this. But look, we know that the overriding agenda has been, was, is, and always will be to get Trump him from being a viable candidate. The establishment does not want him. You know, it's it's one thing after the other, and it has been since he came down the escalator. So, uh, you know, it reminds me a little bit of the way the Arab states historically treat Israel. You know, if it's not one thing, it's another. If it's not another, it's another and another. You know, first we're told it's... Uh, you know, that, uh, you know, Israel has no right to exist, then it's, oh, it's, it's uh, the settlements. And so you have to, you know, uproot everybody and give us back Gaza. When we get that, it's rockets. It's, um, you know, it's, it's 1948, 1967, 1973, Oslo, on to today. The, the real truth is that they can't tolerate the existence of Israel. And I think it's similar. I think Trump's somebody who the establishment has tried to uproot, outroot, get rid of. You know, they, they, they tried to fabricate stuff against him. When that all fell apart, the Russia collusion hoax, it became, uh, you know, these women coming forward from 30 years ago saying, despite no physical evidence, God knows, no police report, um, that he raped them 30 years ago, something which I myself don't believe, but look, I'm not God, anything's possible, you know, but how on earth could this be proven 30 years late? I mean, so if it's not that, it's this, it's uh, classified information, which, you know, even though we're not going to prosecute Hillary Biden or Pence for classified information. So it's very clear. I mean, I, I confess that sometimes I don't follow the intricacies of each um, of each sort of new upheaval because I do believe that it's, it's all, um, you know, partisan witch hunt. And I don't really have the patience, to be honest with you. You know, I think these people, the establishment of this country, you know, I hate to say it, I'm not talking about the rank and file, you know, the good agents who serve our country. But I think the higher levels at the FBI, the State Department, I think they're tainted. I think they, you know, this is the man who took his own path and cut away some of the fat and government, didn't start any new money-making wars for anybody, tried to do things a little differently and encourage people to go to work and not be dependent on a bloated welfare state. 
I mean, he basically threatens their interests, the establishment, you know, um, these are the career politicians, diplomats, people who, you know, just, and then, I mean, I'm sure there are some that are good people there. I have friends who work for the Department of Commerce. Not everybody is a, you know, you know, a, a, a you know, bureaucrat with no concern for anything but their own pocketbook. But I do think a lot of people who are working in these posts, I guess they just benefit from the status quo. And well, they're benefiting from the status quo. But when you look at it again, when you said it's just one leak after the other, I thought about the book that Bill Barr wrote, One Damn Thing After the Next. And I would look at this and say one damn leak after the other, because there's always a leak. And then we, we're finding out that when Bill Barr was in office, Bill Barr knew about the entire Hunter Biden saga. Bill Barr knew that they were trying to slow walk a lot of these investigations. Bill Barr knew that if this information didn't get out there, that it would not impact Biden, but it would definitely impact Trump. So maybe that is a reason why Trump has a lot of animosity against Bill Barr, because some of this started when Bill Barr was the depart was head of the Department of Justice. So he knew about a lot of this and he set back on it. And what's interesting, even with that, that didn't leak out. Like certain things leaked, but other things didn't leak. So it, it just goes back to what I've been saying all along. Our government has to leave DC. Now, I'm not saying move the White House, I'm not saying move the kit and caboodle, but some of the agencies have got to leave D.C. if we are to keep this union together. Because right now, D.C. is a political hotbed. It is a cesspool and everything yeah, is leaked. I, I hear what you're saying, but I think that, you know, that's 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 an interesting idea but i think that the problem is not just geography it's it's you know it would i don't think it would matter as much as you know you're talking about my sense of it is just you're talking about a whole every 85 percent of the universities in this country that are graduating people especially the elite universities to think along certain lines you're talking about you know uh, generations of old money people who serve in the diplomatic corps and, you know, the nepotism and the backscratching and the two-party system and its elaborate sort of, you know, backscratching nature that where, you know, you have to climb through the ranks and spend your life, you know, BSing and schmoozing and getting money and giving favors. And it's, it's I, I think it's an interesting kind of quaint notion to just move it to another city, but I think the establishment is more than, you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, in a literal sense, a lot of it takes place in DC, but it really is much deeper than that. This is the whole, I mean, this is about a, you know, uh, a, a kind of a uh, power elite who have um, taken power and, 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 who govern in a way that doesn't serve ordinary folk. And they've been on the rise for many decades now. And I think it's just, maybe, I, I don't know that I understand it. It's very, it's a complicated coming together of factors of 
you know, our the way our economy works, the way the educational system is, and the but Heather, it would be, but it would be, I would, it would be a start. And when mm -hmm. I say move it, I mean we have different divisions that aren't located in DC already. We have branch offices, we have field offices, but the main offices are located are located in DC. And if we were to take those main offices and send us to some place like South Dakota or Texas or Wyoming, away from the establishment, away from people who have their lives are like rooted in D.C. so that these people are going to get those jobs and their views are completely linear. They can't think outside the box. And I think right. that's dangerous. It's, and it's been there for so long, it's ingrained. So, I mean, and I said this when Trump, when he took office, I said, you know, he's, he's, he's going up against a huge tide. Because no matter who he selects to be in his administration, the people that are up under him, the people that are working, they're completely biased. Okay. They, their intent is not the intent of that administration, because what we have to realize is that when one administration leaves, when Trump leaves, or when, even when Biden, when Biden leaves, there are still people that are there that are silver servants that will keep things running until the next group comes in. And that's mm -hmm. therein lies the problem, because we're not changing them. They're there. And then when they do retire, when they do leave, that's like 20 years down the line, and then they've groomed someone else to come in. So just imagine if you come in, if they don't like you, they're going to work against you. They're going to work against your administration. They're not going to show you the things that they should show you. And then, of course, they're going to leak to the media. They have no incentive to be, I don't want to say loyal, but to honor the oath that they took to do their jobs. Now, you think if this were a corporate America, these leaks would have already, they would have found the leak and gotten rid of them. But why is it now that no one is concerned as to who... Sensitive information is being leaked. And then once it's leaked, everyone is talking about it. But then the person who it's leaked on, he's told, you can't talk about this and you can't say anything else while the media is rimrodding this information down everyone's throat to, with the intent to prejudice a juror so that when the jurors get on to hear the case, it's like, oh, we've already made up our mind. We already know a lot about it. Let's think back to John Durham. And when he tried, uh, what was it, Michael Sullivan, with going to the FISA court and lying, many of the jurors that were there had already made up their minds. Many of them knew him. Many of them had, associate, had associated with him. Even the judge himself, his wife, had worked for, I think it was Michelle Obama. So you have all these connections that were there. And John Durham did say, wait a minute, I don't know if this is a, the right jury. And the judge said, oh, no, they can't. They should be able to render a verdict. Although some of them said, yes, we know Trump and we don't like him. Now, how is it that he's going to get a fair trial? They had the trial. The guy was let off. With all the information there, and we want to say that's justice. Justice is supposed to be blind. Once all this information was leaked to these jurors, and we say that's okay, and we walk around. No, that's not okay. This is the United States of America, and we should be able to do better because we can do better. But when we settle for less and we say, oh, it's okay, well, better luck next time. Well, there won't be a next time because something has happened that should not have happened. You look at the Hunter Biden situation. You look at how they slow walked the investigation. And this man came out, this whistleblower came out. Now, he could have come out before this is all over, but he waited. 
until after everything was done. And then he said they slow walked the investigation. They slow walked it to the point that when it's related to the IRS, the tax returns, 2015, 2014, 15, 16, the statute of limitation had passed. So they can't go back and charge him on that. But when it comes to Donald Trump, well, we're going to change the laws so that we can go back and get him. No one is looking at this. No one sees it. No one is aware that this is what's happening. And then if by chance you get charged, they're going to use that same law that they changed to go after him to go after you. We are in a dangerous point. We're at a dangerous point in our society. But we cannot recognize the criminal from the innocent. And it's in our government. You look at Merrick Garland. Sour grapes because he's not on the Supreme Court. And you talking about holding a grudge, a grudge that's destroying our country. It's destroying our legal system. It's destroying the faith that we have in our government, we the people. Look at how they've damaged the reputation of the Supreme Court. Look at the polling that people don't trust the Supreme Court. Why is that? Because one party has decided that we're just going to blow it all up. Because we don't like the way things are going. It has to be our way. And their way is so far from reality. It's so far-fetched. And to lunacy that men can have babies and men can compete with women. And then you want to talk about the toxic male? Those are the toxic males that are pulling the strings. They have got women to think that, oh, we're your savior, but they're trying to erase you. But no one is talking about that. We're completely lost. We're up on a commercial break. We're going to pick this up after dark with Robin Andrew on the America Out Loud platform and my special co-host tonight, Heather Robinson of the New York Post. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. 
Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. back and up to Dr. Robin Andrew and my special co-host Heather Robinson and we're talking about the leak and I think I titled it one damn leak after the other because we know that when it comes to Trump everything that's supposed to be hidden hidden and behind the scenes it's all being leaked and it begs the question why just as soon as Hunter Biden came out and we learned that he was going to plead guilty to misdemeanors on a sweetheart deal, all of this information started leaking out about Trump, about what Trump had said on the tape. I heard the tape and the documents that are in question that they're claiming that he was flashing before, I think it was a staffer and a publisher, Jack Smith can't find. So how do we know that Trump actually had documents in his hand. Now, we heard the paper ruffling and all the other stuff, but how do we know those are the actual documents? And what I find interesting, and I've said this before, is that the media is quick to believe that Trump had those documents. Oh, yeah, he had them. He had them. He had to have had them. Where, well, there's no proof. But when Trump comes out and says, I am going to, I'll be, if I'm elected, I'll be able to stop the war in Ukraine or I'll be able to keep Rocket Man at bay, or I'll be able to go against China. Oh, don't believe him, don't believe him. Or when he says the media is an enemy of the people, oh, we don't believe him. Well, why not? Oh, he's just, he's just being Trump, just being blustering, he's just saying stuff. Well, why is it that we can't believe he's just being Trump when he claimed to have documents? Why is it that we're always supposed to believe the worst? And it's that when it is the worst, it's that we, we, someone told us this. There's no credible information. Remember when he was with Leslie Stahl? And I think that was one of the biggest mistakes he made when he had said he was going to go after Hillary Clinton and he didn't do it. Now, imagine had he done it. The media won't give him credit for not doing it. They won't say, well, you know, he did say he was going to go after Hillary, but he didn't do it. Oh, they won't say that. No, none of the left will give him credit for how how forward thinking he was. I've said that, Rob, all along. I remember distinctly, and you remember that he said he didn't want to hurt the Clintons, and his speech when he won um, in, in 2020 was very gracious that night. I mean, he said, listen, his some supporters were yelling stuff, and he said, no, no, you know, we're going to thank the Clintons for their service to this country, and we're going to move forward. I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, you said it very well, Rob. I mean, that's the difference between him and these mean-spirited brats who, and on the left, who cannot accept defeat. It is so ironic, so ironic. They, they, they busied themselves with hatred for every day of his presidency. And it's just, um, you know, the hypocrisy is astounding. You know, they call him the hater. They're supposed to be the nice people and the good people. Um, you know, but whether they're, they're, you know, whether they're cheering on war again 
whether they're letting their extremists burn things down and knock over monuments and worst of all, smash people's businesses and beat up innocent Americans on the street and destroy American cities like Portland to the point where, you know, no, no life and death emergency or, you know, need to get to work or any legitimate need on the part of any American can, can even be considered against their blessed right to not only protest, but to get rowdy, violent, cause mayhem, you know, but they're the good people, you know, and Biden's the nice guy, you know, with his patronizing comments about black Americans, with his support of yet another bloody, destructive and unwinnable war. These are the nice people the good people, you know, I mean, I'll take Trump, you know, a guy who may be rude, crude, and obnoxious at times, but doesn't send young Americans to get their limbs blown off for nothing, you know, doesn't engage in an orgy of hate, but tries to move forward. And yes, he slaps back when people attack him. You know, he's not uh, a wimp or, you know, a, a perfect sort of um, holy person. But, you know, if being the nice guy is sending innocent people to war and looking the other way when, when political violence goes on for six months and, uh, you know, sniffing 12-year-old girl's hair and whatever else the nice guy Biden likes to do, I'll take Trump. Thank you. But yet still, like I said, all this information that we'll have but no one will see it because the media will not talk about it. They will not leak it. The fact that this whistleblower, Gary Shapley, came out and spoke on CBS and said, this is what happened. Many of the viewers were probably completely taken aback with, oh, my gosh, when did this happen? It's already happened and it's been happening. But the media will not report on it because they want to save Joe Biden. Was never leaked. We found out the other day that Joe sleeps with some type of machine for a sleeping disorder. Apparently, yeah. it's for sleep apnea because when he's sleeping, yeah, well, that that isn't such a big deal in my opinion. Well, well, hold it. Well, it is a big deal, and I'll tell you why. For a person his age, anything could go wrong, and the fact that he has that machine and that was not disclosed to the American public to the voter. Now, imagine had this been Trump. We want to know about it. Why didn't you tell us about it? We had a right to know. They should have told us. And apparently, it isn't in any medical uh, reports that he's sleeping with this. And the only reason why it was brought up is because they saw the markings on his face. Now, what you bet, they were hoping that no one would have seen it or said anything about it. Well, this is the first time he's used that machine. He's probably going to Delaware and using it all the time. And when I read about it, I thought, oh, my gosh, is he sleeping in one of those oxygen tanks like Michael Jackson? Remember Michael Jackson back in the day? Is he sleeping in one of those? Or, God forbid, is there someone there who's giving him a dip, a drip, a propofol so that he can sleep? There are a number of things that we need to know. And if we had an inquisitive media, they would be asking these questions, but they won't because they want to protect him. But they want because they are, they're in fear that he will possibly run 
And if he runs, we got to make certain that we don't damage him. So we need to contain everything in this little alabaster box so that no one knows what's going on. And if something does leak out, we'll have to clean it up the best way we can. And when it does come out, let's leak something about Trump. Make no mistake and do not doubt me when I say this. That was a concerted effort to release that tape to CNN, to CNN viewers, because CNN, view, CNN is struggling in the ratings. Do not doubt me when I say it. That was done purposefully, and it was timed. The moment they found out that this whistleblower came out, they said, let's leak the tape. Let's get in contact with Jack Smith. Let's make a phone call to Merrick Garland. Do not doubt that there is connection between Merrick Garland, Jack Smith, and Christopher Ray. It is a corrupt cabal, and they're thinking that they're doing what's right. Merrick Garland, who still has sour grapes, and that's putting it mildly and kind, because he's not on the Supreme Court. And as I've said before, sure, he can be mad at Republicans, but why isn't he mad at Biden? Because Biden had the opportunity to put him on the court when there was an opening. But Biden decided to be Mr. DEI, politically correct, and put Katanji Brown-Jackson on the Supreme Court. So he should be mad at his boss, Joe Biden. But instead, it's misplaced aggression, and he wants to still be mad at the Republicans and at Donald Trump, an easy target. Donald Trump is the easy target. Mm-hmm. He wants to be mad at him. Shameful. So because of that, the entire country has to suffer. We have to question our government. We have to question the interworkings of what's happening. And I will say it again. The government has to leave the swamp of D.C. if it is to remain sustainable. It cannot stay in D.C. D.C. is too leaky. Far too leaky. And I can only imagine what's going to happen between now and the fall. It's a long way off, but a lot could transpire with Joe Biden. He's not fit to serve mentally, cognitively, physically, literally, fundamentally, and all the other leads. This man should not be in the White House. Not that his vice president, Kamala, could step up. Now, if she was an accomplished person, they would probably say, Joe, you need to retire. And I don't even know if Jill Biden would allow that to take place. Now, just imagine the conversations that are going on behind the scenes of Jill's ability to lead the country. I'm sure that they're having a lot of fights and pushbacks, but nothing is leaking out. And you know why? Because the establishment will protect its own. The swamp will protect its own. The swamp will not allow anything to go out unless it has its stamp or seal of approval. Heather, what do you say? Well, I mean, I don't know that it's controlled that tightly. I kind of had the impression that it's more just the nature of a huge bureaucracy. I know some people believe that the deep state is a very um, organized, distinct kind of entity of 
puppet masters who are controlling things. I mean, that gets a little conspiratorial for me. I don't know that life and the world and government is that orchestrated and orderly. And that seems a little more like a movie scenario to me, but I, I just, I just have the impression that, you know, that it's just a, a kind of coming together of forces. But Heather, when you look at it, I, I hear what you're saying, but you know, they're service themselves and they're in there forever. You know, like when you go to work at a company and it's got its own institutional culture and maybe it's a dysfunctional company. But know, Heather, you got you have to admit that yeah. what we're seeing what we're seeing right now, we have never experienced this before in our lifetime. Even going back to Watergate, I mean, and we could say that we have social media, but everything that we are experiencing, everything that we see, it's beyond belief. I mean, never has there been a situation whereby the Department of Justice working in concerted effort with the FBI to suppress information, to say that information is false, only to find out that it wasn't or it isn't false. And you have whistleblowers who have concrete evidence that are saying, no, this is this is truthful. Whereas you had Trump who was impeached, impeached, not once, but twice on these made up charges that never existed. They said first they wanted to impeach him on Russia collusion and people believed it. As I said, I thought, well, what's going on here? But I'm like, wait a minute, this is crazy. John's Jordan report, there was never any there there. So they dropped it and Bob, Bill, Bill Barr joined the White House to squash it. But now we're finding out that Bill Barr was more than likely in on it because he knew about the Hunter Biden laptop. They had the laptop when he was in office with Christopher Ray. So all these players are connected. So if we say, well, there's no deep state, well, what do you have right there? Bill Barr knew about the laptop. And maybe that is a reason why Trump does not like Bill Barr. And Bill Barr is trying to come out to make himself look like, oh, he's a saint. Granted, Bill Barr saved Trump's presidency because he got them to move away from impeaching him on this fake Russia collusion. Maybe he thought, hey, if they do this, the truth is going to come out that there is no there there. Okay. But at the same time, Bill Barr knew about the Hunter Biden laptop. He knew that they had it, and he did absolutely nothing. Bill Barr knew during the election. Now, you talk about election interference. That was election interference because they kept information from the American public that would have helped them make an informed decision. We have never had anything like this to happen before. Never. And it was all to stop one man. Everyone knows that Joe Biden is unfit. He can't serve. I mean, you look at all of the, the, the confusion that he brings to the table when he's coming out. He's talking about building a bridge from the United States to India. He says that Russia is in a war with Iraq. No, say it once. Okay. But to keep saying it, the I man is, he has, he's insane. He has senility. Well, he has dementia. Yeah. And he's just a figurehead. I mean, the, we've known this from the start, Rob. I mean, the but that's dangerous. That's, that's extremely dangerous. Power in the Democratic Party. He is a benign old face that they put on the radical agenda. That's what he's doing there. You know, and the fact that he's a, 
has dementia or is well on his way, yeah, I mean, that's, if anything, I think it serves them because if he were a strong individual who could, you know, stand up and say, I'm not going for this, you know, then the radicals who are taking over the Democratic Party would have obstruction and a fight on their hands. I mean, they probably love it that he's the way he is. Of course they love it because they can manipulate it and do what they want. Yes, yes. And remember you know, when my, Nancy? Remember when Nancy? Not Nancy, but yeah, Nancy Reagan mm-hmm. and Ronald Reagan. They were saying that maybe she's running things. And well, not- Keith Reagan did have some, you know, God bless him, and he was a great president. But toward the end, I think there he, you know, he did have some, some Alzheimer. I mean, he eventually did develop full blown Alzheimer's, and maybe the early stages were happening. However, I don't think he was as far gone as Biden, and also he. <laughs> around him i mean this guy as we know we know who's around him and it's it's just you know it's the hard left it's their big fiesta and i yeah i, I shudder think, to what they're going to do if he gets a second term i think Biden is completely foregone and it is i i shudder to think also as to what will happen if he gets a second term, and they know that if we keep playing it up this way, we can get a second term. And when I hear people saying, oh, well, they want Trump, they want him to go against Trump, then it begs a question, why do they want him to go against Trump? Is it because they know that they'll be able to pull another fast one by saying, well, he can't debate Trump because Trump is a criminal. He's been indicted, so Biden is not going to debate him. And the media would definitely use that narrative and build a story around it so that people would think, well, that's right, he shouldn't have to, because think about it. If Trump says that I am not going to debate any of the other Republicans because I'm so far ahead of the polls, why should I even bother? And I get it. They will use that, flip the script and say, well, if he's not going to debate, then we're going to use that same thing against him and say, well, why should Biden debate Trump when Trump has been indicted and we know that Trump can't tell the truth? They will use it, they will build it up, and then there you have it. And then they will try to push him and sneak him right back into office. Now, we're up up against another break, but I want to continue this conversation. We also want to hear about your article that you wrote not too long ago, Heather. But Mm -hmm. folks, you got to listen to what's happening because there's a lot that's taking place in our society that has the potential of damaging us indefinitely. We're coming back after this commercial break. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. 
and we're back for the last half of After Dark with Robin Andrews and my special co-host, Heather Robinson of the New York Post. And we're just talking about one damn leak after the other when it comes to the indictments and the investigation of Donald Trump and how Merrick Garland and Christopher Wray's agencies have been leaking nonstop information to take our uh, to take away, I guess, attention from Hunter Biden and his dad's shortcomings. We say shortcomings, but they're they're huge. I mean, the fact that Hunter Biden is going to seemingly get away with committing all these crimes that any other person wouldn't get away with, and how these leaks coming from government agencies, and no one is asking the question. Who's leaking this? This should not be happening. This is our government. I mean, what else are they leaking? What else can they not keep under wraps? You want to go after Trump and you're saying that Trump is, has these classified documents and he might have shared it with someone else? Well, look at what you guys are doing with the case. The information is being leaked. I mean, isn't anyone concerned about that? Do we not have a media that's concerned and say, wait a minute. Okay, we, we're saying what Trump has did was bad. But what's coming, what's being leaked from the federal government is even worse because we should think that they would be able to keep this information. Why can't they? I mean, am I wrong in my assumption, Heather? I mean, had it been anyone else, like I said, when what leaks are coming out of Joe Biden's White House? None whatsoever. Nothing is coming out. Yeah, However, well, when Trump was in office, everything, everything was leaked. And now that he's out of office, as I said, during the first block, things are being leaked. It, it, well, the establishment, the, the, the swamp likes the Democrats and the Democrats stick together. And it's it's a very creates a huge double standard. It's a shame. But it's a double standard that has that runs the risk of destroying our democracy. And I think that it's by design. I think that a lot of things that are taking place now are by design so that people will be so fed up that they would go against the government and retaliate. And you saw the Democrats balking and screaming at Jan 6 saying, oh no, that was a they were trying to insurrection. Well, what they're doing right now is tantamount to an insurrection because they are demonizing the government. They're making the government look incompetent so that people won't trust it. And then they will stand up and they will rise up and say, hey, who needs this government? Who needs the constitution? We need to do it all over again. And I do think, Heather, that's where we are headed, that this is all by design, that they're doing it. And by the time people realize it, it will be too late because, they, of course, they'll blame the Republicans. Oh, it was Republicans. They're the ones who can keep the information on the wraps. And it was them that was releasing the information when in actuality, the people that are pointing the fingers, they're guilty of the crime that they're saying that the Republicans are guilty of. As I said, with Trump, he's guilty of this. He look at the taxes. But when you look a little closer at Joe Biden, he's guilty. And we have credible information. We have whistleblowers. We did show it the other night that Republicans or Democrats have never met a whistleblower that they did not like. But now all at once, all these whistleblowers are evil and they're mean and we don't like them because they want to put fear in the whistleblowers, future whistleblowers, not to come out and blow the whistle on their corruption. Oh, the, the hypocrisy knows no bounds. They're unbelievable. 
it, it knows no bounds. And again, you look at how they attack Trump's children, whereas with Hunter Biden, and I heard someone say the other day, oh, well, Joe, you know, this just shows you that he loves his son and he'll do anything for his son. I'm like, what? So I that's the excuse? I think he does. I think he's enabled him his whole life. I think the kid's an absolute train wreck. I mean, I feel sorry for them in a way. I know they had a terrible family tragedy when the boy was young. I don't mean to play Freud. I'm, you know, the obvious guess would be that because of that tragedy, um, you know, and because Biden's Biden, he just, you know, expected nothing of this boy. You know, his his mother and baby sister were killed in a car wreck when he was a kid, Hunter Biden. And he had a brother who was a more of a substantive person, apparently, was a veteran who died young of brain cancer. So Hunter was what was left. And I think he's probably just been completely spoiled and enabled by his father his whole life. Yes. And he's, you know, he's basically a charity case, he has never done constructive work in his life, a drug addict doesn't take responsibility for at least one of his children. Apparently he's also, um, you know, a prolific liar and he's, you know, he's a, a real, real mess, but my guess would be, I mean, I'm sure Biden does love him, but maybe he ought to love him a little less and respect him a little more and just, you know, not enable him. But I guess it's probably about 45 years too late for that. And I think, you know, it's kind of it's kind of like very, you know, similar to what the hard left wants to do with the whole country. I mean, they just want everybody to be on the dole and blaming the other side and making excuses and not taking responsibility and going to school but not having to pay for it or having to pay back loans. Um and they want the middle class to pay for this, I guess. And it's kind of like what Joe has done with Hunter maybe is kind of a microcosm of what Joe and the rest of the hard left are doing with the whole country, you know. But we, we all love, everyone loves their children. Yes. But to course. the extent of what Biden is doing, putting us yeah. all out there for the American public. No, I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying I'm not. I'm just saying he probably does love him, but it's it, it's a dysfunctional. Very oh, sad. absolutely, definitely dysfunctional. And now you and you have the media that are coming out trying to placate to it and say, oh, but you have to understand. And he just, yeah. But one thing that Barack Obama got right, and he said that he told Joe, Joe, you don't have to do this. You don't have to run. When Hillary first ran, he said, Joe, you don't have to do it. Grieve the death of your son. Okay, and then this time around, they kept saying, oh, Joe, 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 we got to get Joe, we got to get Joe. They knew that Joe wasn't up for it. They knew it. But they also knew that they had an ace in the hole, and that was to lie and to cheat and to bring Trump down, which is what they did. Right, and Joe is that old hand that, you know, that that anodyne sort of old face to put on the face of an ugly radical agenda and he served yeah. them well he, he did yeah. a good job and look at where he is now as decrepit and unfit as he is and i will always say it he is there every time they roll him out he is a complete disaster right but it's like these old democrats i mean i don't mean to insult people i i guess you know there was a time being a democrat especially a labor democrat made a whole lot of sense 
you know, that we needed unions, we needed, we couldn't have totally unbridled extreme capitalism with exploitation of workers. And, you know, we had terrible inequities, legal inequities toward African Americans. We had a lot of things that the Democrats were right about, the liberals were right about, let's say. I I understand some people make the point that the organized Democrat party was on the wrong side of a lot of those things. But I mean, the left, the liberal left in the 50s and 60s and whatever, I mean, they had their points. And, you know, Biden also came uh, up at a time when, you know, when it came to the unions and all that, I guess it made more sense to be a Democrat and for some people. And I think people, the older Democrats still are there, you know. Well, they won't let it go. They, they won't let it go. They won't it's allow the country to progress. It's not their party yeah. anymore. It, it is not because it's more diverse. I think that's, you know, I'm all for diversity. It's nothing. That's what they want to make us think. You know, that it's, it's a radical crazy. arm. It's about the ideology. It's these crazy ideologies. You and I know, Rob, I mean, you and I are friends across, you know, race and religion. We know this is about ideas. This is about love of country and, and law and order and basic sanity and and fairness and equal justice for people uh, regardless of the color of your skin or your sex or your religion or you know this, these are the classical liberal ideas and ideals that the country's founded on and the democrats have been hijacked by people who really don't believe in those things anymore and right. they put Joe biden at the top because he's an old guy and he makes people think of the past i think and you know he he seems harmless and and he, you know it's like they because he was obama's vice i guess the radical leftists maybe or you know the more extreme people pulled the lever for him but so did the old naive democrats who are clinging to this party even though it doesn't represent them anymore but it doesn't. Biden, made them comfortable, you know, because he's like a relic from another time. Definitely a relic from another time, time that who's is long since gone, but they're yeah. still trying to hold on to those old ideas, thinking, oh, and having people to believe that well, we're still idea, in the throes of it. I don't mean to interrupt you, Rob, but I mean, I feel like th- there's not even any, there's really very little kind of even pretense anymore to uphold the ideals. Now mm-hmm. it's just quickly image, you know, just trot them out by make people think everything's okay and the right. ship's not sinking, you know, let him smile his old smile and hobble off. And meanwhile, it's like the hard left is is tearing it all down. Right. Well, speaking of the past and nostalgia, you recently <laughs> did an, an article uh, not too long ago. I think it was back in uh, May, and it was titled "Vietnam's POWs to be Honored 50 Years After Nixon Celebrated Them with Historic Banquet." And we were mentioned Bank uh, Nixon in the first block of the show. And how what's going on right now is worse than Nixon and Watergate. But share with our listeners tonight this piece that you did that was so timely that these POW, uh, Vietnam uh, POWs that were were being honored 50 years after Nixon celebrated them with a historic banquet. Tell our listeners a little bit about it. Sure, sure, Rob. I was privileged to interview five amazing men who survived torture in Vietnam and are still living. They're among hundreds who were honored um, last month uh, uh, by the Nixon Foundation at a dinner that recreated a dinner that had taken place in 1973 when they were repatriated. they, uh, yeah, they told me stories of, of terrible ha- hardship and suffering 
and endurance. Um, you know, each of them was an amazing man. Um, uh, there was a man, uh, Orson Swindle, a Marine, who I think he may have got at the worst of all of them. He was just beaten horrible things done to him by villagers after he, he landed and he crash landed in, uh, in Vietnam. And most of the POWs were pilots, by the way, because uh, I guess it was part of the nature of the fighting that the ground troops were usually killed when they were captured, but POWs were sometimes paraded around the villages, you know, beaten, tortured, uh, and then taken to the Hanoi Hilton, which was um, a, uh, torture facility, basically, a place in Hanoi. Um, and they, they had tremendous solidarity, these men, Rob. One thing that emerged was that they had, um, well, initially they were kept separately from one another, and that was the worst of it. But because of a combination of uh, factors, the death of Ho Chi Minh, who was a, a real bad guy, but also uh, uh, awareness on the home front, that the wives and parents and other family members of these men conducted a, a, a media campaign, despite being warned against doing that uh, by President Johnson and his administration, they, they raised awareness about the horrible treatment of, um, of these men, you know, from what they could gather and the snippets they, they received. And that essentially embarrassed the North Vietnamese government, which after the death of Ho Chi Minh, um, I guess whoever came to power after that wasn't quite as bad and had the shame basically to be embarrassed by that. And so they think that for that reason, the, the treatment improved uh, after that in around 1969. And so they were moved into large cells together. And they talked to me about how those who survived, you know, um, they, they helped each other to recover uh, that solidarity, that belief. And um, one of them told me that, um, you know, they, they really had no secrets from each other. You couldn't have secrets in such an extreme situation and housed together. And that he actually thought that that's part of how they, they survived psychologically, that they came home on the whole with less PTSD than many um, tr other troops who've seen combat, you know, because he felt there was, you know, there was so much, you know, support. And one of them, Orson Swindle, the Marine, told me, you know, some people were better at resisting pain than others, but you know, all we asked of each other was just do the best you can. Oh, and it was Leon Ellis. Lee was his nickname, Ellis, who was the man who told me that they really helped each other through. Right. And Swindle was a, had became a friend of John McCain, the most yeah. high-profile prisoner during that time. Yeah, they were roommates and friends, and... Um, there was another man also I interviewed, uh, Quincy Collins. He was the oldest of the POWs. He's 91 now. And he was actually in his 40s, his early 40s, 50 years ago, you know, when he went down. And amazingly, he was incredibly strong. You know, he survived as well. And he was a friend of McCain, too. Very interesting. Did they say anything about John McCain? Yeah. Um, Orson told me, you know, he was a very tough guy. McCain, a good resistor is how he put it, because, you know, they were all being tortured for information. Right. He said, uh, Quincy said that McCain was funny, you know, and very charismatic and, you know, kept them laughing, um, which sounds strange. But, you know, several of these men, they really had a sense of humor. One um, thing that Orson told me is that 
when he got back to the States after this horrible torture and everything, his hometown of Camilla, Georgia held a, a parade for him. And he gave a speech and he said, he told them all, listen, under torture, you know, I knew you were safe here in the U.S., so I gave some of your names. So just don't go to Vietnam because they may be looking for you. <laughs> now, you mentioned also you said that some were said that they were more resistant to pain than others. I can't imagine, you know, what they went through and these yeah. brave men. And here back in the States, you think about a lot of people were protesting the war. And when they came back, they weren't greeted the way they should have been greeted as if though they had done something wrong and they didn't do anything wrong. They were fulfilling their duties as men and the as soldiers. Well, yeah, it's unfortunate. It's, it Go ahead. be noted, though, one thing I learned, Rob, is that these particular individuals, the 591 POWs, prisoners of war, <laughs> received a different reception overall than a lot okay. of our Vietnam vets did. Um, each of the men I interviewed told me they had not had any abuse from fellow Americans. Good. So, you know, it may be that um, even though what you're talking about certainly happened and was very ignorant, you know, I, <laughs> maybe I, we can give a little credit to the left back then in the sense that I don't think they were as ignorant or, you know, as, as some of the extreme leftists are today, for instance, I think that they understood that these people had been tortured, you know, even though it was wrong to blame the, the ordinary soldiers, you know, period. I think that even the left then had enough shame not to torment someone who'd been tortured, perhaps, for whatever reason, they, these guys said that they were received you know, as heroes by some and with politeness by others, even the people who said they didn't agree with the war didn't dump on them. I mean, it was known that they were tortured. So maybe that was why. Okay. Well, Heather, we are all out of time, but I would encourage all of our listeners to go online to look up your story. Vietnam's POWs to be honored 50 years after Nixon celebrated them with a historic banquet. And you can find that on the New York Post and the writer, Heather Robinson, again, of the New York Post. Thank you for tuning in to After Dark with Robin Andrew. And as we always say, stand for something or fall for nothing. God with you. Be blessed. Good night.